I love, I love the first one. It's my favorite one overall because it is super spooky, right? And like eerie. But the second one is more like cartoony Mario esque. Mm, it's more. It feels more Mario and more cartoony, and not as like, ooh, like just that eerie feeling. Yeah, that's what I do. Is like I'll just like late at night because I don't need to wake up early for anything anymore. I'll just go, I'll go, and I'll, I'm, I, the GameCube we have is set up, like, upstairs, right? So it's already mm-hmm. a little spookier, just being upstairs. For some reason, it's a little spookier. Um, and uh, I just turn all the lights off, and I just play Luigi's Mansion just to see if I can still feel something. <laughs> it's like, huh, I think I felt a little scare there on my shoulder. Yeah, just a little bit. Just enough. Just enough. <laughs> Welcome to the <sighs> Zeitgeist Podcast, everyone. My name is Greg. My name is Nick. And uh, moving on from depressing topics, which we've been talking about for a long, long time, um, I'm going to talk about, well, I, I guess I can't say moving on from depressing topics, because the, the topic I'm bringing up today is actually very depressing for a lot of people, and very concerning, and it's actually affecting a lot of people's lives, so this one might be kind of a downer, folks, but uh, I think you'll still get something good out of it. Okay, well, hit me so- with that sad. All right, Nick, sad. what do you know about the year 1973? It came after the year 1972, and, and? babies were born, people died. I don't know. And it happened. came before the year 1974. <gasps> That's not relevant, no. actually. It's true, but it's not relevant. It, well, right. it's uh, my parents were teenagers. Well, let me, let me, mine too. How old were, man, my parents were like out of college. I got old parents, man. Uh, me too. All right, well, let me let me let me say this then. What do you know about our government and their trustworthiness? <sighs> Greg, this is a conspiracy podcast. Clearly, we don't trust we don't trust the government as far as we can throw them. Yeah, we don't trust them at all. In fact, they are not. They we don't even believe that they're half of them are even human. Right. So no. I don't trust them. I don't exactly. trust no government. I don't trust no man telling me what to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I've got a story to prove how all levels of government, how they cannot be trusted to do even the simplest of tasks and people suffer for it. So this is a story about my father-in-law. He's a, he's a military man, lifelong military man, uh, oh. served in, in several different branches of the military. But when he was in... The army, I'm pretty sure it was the army, uh, he was deployed to Egypt. And is this, um, I am asking, is this your on your mother's side? So is this the American army? Oh, no, this it's my father-in-law. It's it's my wife's father. Oh, I yeah. totally missed that. That's all right. Because I, I was thinking of your Brazilian family. I didn't know if they were served in the Brazilian military or whatever. Um, so. they, they did. My, my uncle did. But that's because in Brazil, it's, it's required that you serve. So, like, I'm a Brazilian citizen. And I'm technically required to serve a military, like, you know, however many years. And mm-hmm. they keep on sending me letters saying, like, we're going to revoke your citizenship if you don't serve. But all I have to do is go down to the embassy. Well, it's actually a big hassle. It's not all I have to do, but it's a hassle. But I have to go down to the embassy and, um, and like, show them, like, hey, this is my permanent residence. Please let me keep my citizenship in Brazil. And they, yeah. they're just like, yeah, sure, fine. And I don't you have walk, to serve. You walk up with the paper saying all that. You slap it down. You're like, you got, I served. I served you. You got served. Yeah, but I'm wondering so. if, like, if I don't do that one year and then I go to Brazil, if I, like, set foot in the country, if they'll just, like, grab me and give me a gun and be like, all right, go, shoot people. I don't know. 
don't know. But but here's here's that the, kid right there. Yeah, that shoot one. him. That one. I'm like, but what? Why? It's like just do it. Um, that's <laughs> that's depressing. That's, that is very depressing. But it's we're well, this is a depressing one. So it's it's it's. I mean, it's kind of a downer, but it's also really interesting. But, okay. Okay. Back to the story. Okay. He was in Egypt and he was deployed for uh, I don't know six months. I think some some okay. amount of time. Okay. Um, he didn't come back after six months. He came back after like nine months because <gasps> he was out on a mission somewhere, and him and it was a couple other other people in his in his um, regiment as well. They were out on a mission somewhere, and while they were out, that was the time that the army sent people to come pick up his group, right? Pick up his regiment or his battalion or whatever. I don't know what size group it was, but they came, they got the guys out of Egypt, they brought them home. Guess who didn't get to go home? My father-in-law. Yeah, they left him there for months, and he just had to figure it out, right? Like they just forgot? They like either like there was some paperwork mishap or something, or they just like, so they this just is didn't like a count for him. Like they just maybe they just didn't even do a head count. Maybe they were just like, hey, you guys, you're with the army, right? And they're like, yeah, and they're like, all right, come with us. And then they were gone. So this is like a Home Alone Five Army Edition. <laughs> yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah. So that was enough for me to that was enough proof for me to see that even on, on all levels, like even in the military, that they don't have a whole lot of you know checks and balances, or if they do. They don't really do the their due diligence, and people get left places. So I mean, back, yeah. back to the year 1973, the reason that year is important is because that was the end, the official end of the Vietnam War, mm-hmm. or Vietnam conflict, or however you call it. It's a, it was a war. We'll say it's a war, right? Right. Um, technically an unofficial war that Richard Nixon started, and it was, you know, there, there, was, a whole, there was a whole mess behind that. But oh yeah. What if I told you there is strong evidence that many prisoners of war in Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam did not die, but also never made it home. I mean, I feel like that's a hundred percent true. I feel like a ton of people probably didn't get to come home or got forgotten there. Yeah, and it, it, I'll tell you the number. It's twelve hundred. Some numbers. Some people say the number is as high as sixteen hundred. Um, servicemen specifically air force airmen that were just left and i'll tell you the story now so let's just go back in time a little bit okay richard nixon is the president this Mm -hmm. war was something he started this whole conflict and people didn't want it but people had it there was a draft a lot of people got sent into the into the military when they didn't want to be just like i would in brazil and what had happened was the war was over, and they had this big this big operation called Operation Homecoming, right? And oh yeah. In, in what in like when Operation Homecoming happened, they said they went back and they found all the American soldiers and operatives and prisoners of war that were released by the Vietnam government and and including Laos and Cambodia, um, and they took them home, right? Hmm. And that was it. And they were like, all right, we're good. They all returned during Operation Homecoming. Everybody's fine. Turns out that happened in 1973, and only 591 prisoners of war were returned during Operation Homecoming. And the U.S. lists about 2,500 Americans as prisoners of war or missing in action, but only 1,200 were reported to have been killed in action with no body recovered. So that that means that, you know, you subtract 591 from the 2,500, that leaves us with, you know, 19-something or other. 
And then there's 1,200 more that are supposedly killed in action, but there was never any body recovered, which that can happen. You know, mm-hmm. that's I'm not going to say that they should find every single body, but there's enough leeway there to think you might have missed some folks, right? Yeah. Well, well, the government has steadfastly denied that any prisoners were left behind, and they, they say there was no effort to cover it up. There's no reason to think that anybody was left behind in Vietnam, right? Now, you are you might remember this movie. You remember First Blood Part 2, which was Rambo, First Blood Part 2? Yes, I remember it. I've never seen it. Okay. I have seen the first First Blood, but... Right. <laughs> well, the plot of First Blood Part 2 is that... So, in, 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 the, in First Blood, the movie was in the 80s. I'm not spoiling anything for you guys. It's been around for a long time. He, he, kills, he kills a lot of people. And he gets in big trouble for it, right? And this, you know, at the end of the movie, he's he's still in trouble. Well, in part two, his old commander cuts him a deal to let him have his freedom if he's willing to go to Vietnam and find the missing POWs, right? right. And that was like the the whole that was the plot of the whole movie. So in the eighties, people were saying like there there are definitely people still out there, and the government's saying no, nobody's out there, nobody's out there, couldn't be, right? Right. And so on and so forth. This kind of culminated in um, a, a committee of POW MIA affairs that was in the early 90s. I think it was from 1991 to 1993. Um, and they, they all kind of got together. They did a grouping. They looked at the evidence to determine if any POWs were missing. Surprise, surprise. The committee said they found no compelling evidence that proves that any Americans remain alive in captivity in Southeast Asia. Right. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem with that. There were multiple instances of airmen that were shot down, never recovered, missing in action, that were would leave signs that were caught on aerial photographs, right? So in right. in 1970, I think it was 78. So this is how many years is that after the war is over? I don't know, five years? Uh, yeah. Yeah, five years. So. Five years after the war ended. And this is picked up much later, of course, because we didn't really have the, the clear aerial photographs at that time. But um, when, they, when they did pick it up, there was a big, I think, 10 foot tall. You, we'll say tall because it's laying flat on the ground, but it's long as far as if you're standing on the ground. Um, sign and it's written in, the, in a cornfield or a rice paddy or something like that. And it said 1973 followed by a TH. Okay. And that was a sign that was probably left by someone in the jungle that's saying, hey, the year is 1973. TH could have been his initials. It could have been the commander of his ship. uh, or I mean, sorry, not ship. The the commander of his uh, plane that was shot down. And the government looks at that and says, nah, not, not related. Right? Yeah. And then in 1988, there's another... It's a big sign that's put out there, and it spells it spells USA, and just below that there's a K with little feet on it, which is called a walking K, which is in the in the handbook for the airmen. That's what was used as a signal to whoever might see it that there's a downed serviceman here. Come send help, right? The government looks at that and says, "No, some kid just did that, right?" They said this kid was out there and he really liked the look of the USA. And he tried to draw, you know, something that looked like an airplane, but it looks like a walking K. And I'm like, I feel like you should really look more closely into that, right? Why would a kid do that for fun? 
I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I maybe get Laos it. is a really boring place. I don't know. I mean, maybe, but like, like if this is this is was in Vietnam, right? Like these are aerial photos from Vietnam, like the, over the, Vietnam. These were in Laos, but Laos controlled is, by Vietnam. Okay, well, so like clearly it was just. It was a few years after the war ended. I'm sure there's still some negative energy going on. Like, why would a kid like the USA? I mean, I'm sure maybe a, one or two or a few kids were like, I love America. But, like, <laughs> I want to draw USA in the rice. Like, I don't, I don't, yeah. like, I'd, like, that's dumb. Like, why it's, would they? Exactly. Out of everything, one, why would they know that's, that's dumb? I don't, that, see, this is what I'm saying relating back to the previous episode government just trying to make up some dumb stuff that we think we'll believe exactly that's why they're wising up and just straight up saying i don't know and these are Which, there are big names in this committee that, that looked so first of all it was looked at in, during operation homecoming henry kissinger was was the one who was leading that right um and mm-hmm. so that was originally when they were supposed to collect everyone and they said no they didn't right um and I'm sorry, the, the USA and the Walking K was was drawn in northern Vietnam. It wasn't in Laos. And it was in 1976, but it was discovered um, in uh, 1988. And yeah, so so the first mission, they looked at it. They tried to catch everyone, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, it's over. Everybody's home, right? And then in the 90s, they looked at it again. And this is like this committee, like John McCain, John Kerry, like big names that were part of like in the Congress were a part of this, right? Even I think I think... Ross Perot was a part of it as well. Um, right. And so like a lot of like really powerful and important people were there and they said that there's no good evidence. And so the question is why, why is the government trying so hard to cover it up after all this time? Like even yeah. through like, um, what's the word? Like not regime, but like staff, like, like changes in the, in the white house, like Congress and, what's the word like the staff changes like party changes or like like people like change seats and all that stuff you'd think someone would like like a new president or a new like people in the senate or the congress or or whenever those people change out they're like okay well now i'm gonna come in and i'm going to make sure that this people know like this happened like and parties never agree so like why would this still be a big thing that they're keeping under wraps like you you'd think like one party would be like no this is real and the other one would be like no it's not but for some reason mm-hmm. they're all like nah well i think originally it came down and this is kind of my theory you know i don't i don't have all the facts there's not a lot of facts with this one that's that's what makes this one so tough to talk about is that there's not a ton of information out there as to the why they would be trying so hard to cover this up but one theory that I have is that it goes back to Henry Kissinger because he was the one responsible for bringing everyone home, right? And right. he was powerful in a political sense, and he knew he he wanted to keep himself elevated because if you're in the government, you're going to want to stay in the government, right? right? Nobody is like, I want out. No, of course not. They got pensions that will last, and, and they get their full pay. Like, until, like, once they retire, they get their full pay until they're dead. Like, it's way outbalanced that people in the government versus people outside of the government, how they're treated. So he's like, no, I got to keep I got to keep this under wraps because I was tasked with bringing everyone home. And I said I did it and I'm sticking to it. Right. That's a theory. I don't know. I don't know why everyone else played along with it. I bet he had some dirt on them. It was a house of cards kind of scenario. I don't Uh. know. 
I don't know. But I think the evidence is shocking that there are people that have been out there for a lot longer than 1973. And the key to knowing more about that is Ross Perot. So, Ross Perot, for people who aren't aware, he's a he was a Texas businessman. Um, he was a candidate for president at one point. And, uh, you know, the Perot Museum in Dallas is named after Ross Perot. He donated a lot oh of money Oh, my for God. Um, I, just reali- I just realized that. Yeah, yeah. Big deal. He's like a, he's like a, a T. Boone Pickens kind of, kind of money. So, mm-hmm. um, or like, um, who are the people on the show Dallas? What are their last names? I don't know. I've never seen it. I've never seen Sorry. it either. Yeah, I don't I know how no realistic idea. that show is. Anyway, um, Ross Perot, he was, he was part of this, and he actually gave a closed-door testimony in 1992 um, and what he talked about were the fact that he took several trips to Vietnam and Laos in 1969 and 1970, and in fact had communication with people in Vietnam and Laos in the government uh, between 1969 and 1987. He says, he told the committee council that on several occasions, he had discussed possible trades of money or equipment in exchange for prisoners. Keep in mind, this happened after the war was over. And then he said, in 1970, the North Vietnamese ambassador in Laos offered to release prisoners in return for medical equipment, right? And now, 1970 was before the war was over, but everything after that, up until 87, people should have already been home. There shouldn't have been any more prisoners. Yeah, the fact that they're still, like, keeping them as prisoner. Yeah. Is, like, that's insane. Mm-hmm. Like, I know. So that was that's a confirmed thing? Like, they're like, we'll release... Well, is that I'll say like is that a prisoner regarding the Vietnam War or could it be maybe prisoners from just like American prisoners or something that or maybe like military things that happened later on I'm sure something happened after the war where well, they had to go back for some stuff and maybe those they're prisoners from that officially I, officially in quotes the, we we pulled out completely in '73. Like the right. U.S. had no more involvement with the conflict in Vietnam um, after 1973. So that's another theory there, though. That what if they went back for more more things that they because the whole war was already something that was like it was it was Nixon. I don't remember exactly why. I wish I had researched this one a little more uh, before doing this, but Nixon wanted this war to happen because he had interests in Vietnam. And he was trying to protect his interests by sending all these American troops in there. And I'm trying to remember exactly what the interests were. I don't know. But I'm wondering if what if they, they hadn't finished the job. And so they went back after 73 and more people were, were taken as prisoners of war. So maybe the secret really lies in Vietnam. And we would never know about it because the government obviously isn't going to tell us. Right. I mean, at this point, it's like you swear into your presidency. Like, like Trump, here's the three things you need to know. Uh the main one, don't tell anyone about Vietnam. Don't tell anyone about UFOs. Aliens are real. And just, uh, I don't know. And the Department of Homeland I, Security murdered Brittany Murphy. Y- yes. And um, we uh, we record every phone conversation and have it all in a, in a vault. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that. So th- when when we were talking during the last episode about you know how they've got that deal worked out where like they can share whatever information but the government won't necessarily share it and all that stuff i'm thinking like man that's like edward snowden's dream you know 
Like he's like, oh, man, yeah. why didn't I think to get a contract like that? Because I mean, thankfully, because of him, we know all this crap about what the what the government does and how they're spying on every U.S. citizen and collecting data on us, blackmail, all that stuff. But I mean, my dude's still in Russia somewhere, isn't he? Like he I can't even so. come back without getting arrested. Right. And I'm like, you know, that's like statute of limitations. Do they ever run out? I don't think so. I think there's always going to be a manhunt for Edward Snowden. I'm sure there is. Um, because um, the th- and it's not even the thing that, like, at this point, like, if the government is, like, using that information for whatever reason, I have... I've come... I've, I don't trust a lot of things, and I'm sure that they're all, the government's always up to something secretive or nefarious for their own personal benefit or I don't know what I mean I'm saying but like I'm sure I've come to this to a realization where like 50% of like all the secret stuff is like like just like information gathering and like half of it may actually be for good uses like there could be a lot of threats and a lot of things to the general public that we're just never aware about. And maybe that type of information that we don't know is being collected on us or surveilled on us is stopped because of it. And I know I sound like every conspiracist in the world is probably like you blasphemer. Like, (laughs) but like I I've come to the realization, like if they're constantly like what, like if they're getting all this information and they're constantly spying on us, which I think they are. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. I well, believe I mean, that we're always confirmed. being watched. Hi. Hi. It's confirmed Hi. that they are. There's no, Hello. like, yeah, there's, there's not even like a theory about that anymore. Like that, that's why Edward Snowden's not here anymore uh, on this. I mean, in this country anymore is because he confirmed without a doubt and showed evidence that like, yeah, right. they're spying on all of us. Yeah. So, but I'm like, if they're having all this information and everyone's like, they're up to nefarious purposes, like, okay, like what, nefarious purposes like because they i get that like people individually like within those organizations could be out for a personal gain like leaders like and stuff like that want to use this information for themselves but i'm thinking for maybe like organizations that have like just masses amounts of this data on people like that can't all just it's all just in there like mm-hmm. what nefarious purpose would that be used for other than like oh right let's go back and find we can do this this i don't, I don't know i feel like i'm just going on a tangent here but i feel right. like it's individuals like the heads of certain things are like political leaders or maybe like company leaders do things for personal benefit and then there are still chunks of those organizations that use that data I'm hoping for good uses and not just if anything, the biggest threat, the biggest waste of secrecy and anything would be like if they're getting this information and not doing anything with it, (laughs) good or bad. It's just there. And like, if anything, I hope it's being used for good reasons. But we know it's not, though. I mean, but right. And I know it. Why keep it so secret if you're if you're only using it to help people? I I just don't think there's any good reason for them to to be so, you know, close-fisted right. with that and because try I think, so hard to keep us from finding it out if they're like, oh, it's for your own good. Right. Well, I, and I agree. I, I, I feel the same way. Like, if you're so tight-lipped about it, I'm sure there's a lot of, like, civil liberties and constitutional rights that are being breached, and that's probably why they're keeping it a secret. Because yeah. You can't, like, it's such a massive scale. You can't make everyone happy. No matter what type of political climate we have, nobody is, all, n- 
everybody is never going to 100% agree, no matter what we do, right. no matter what. Well, it's, there's always going to be a group of people that hate it, and there's always going to be a group of people that love it. True. Like, we're, so, and they try to, and I know, and so that's, I'm saying, I hope with all of the crazy stuff being taken from our phones, and I hope they're putting my nude pictures to good use that's all i'm hoping for <laughs> hopefully so hopefully so i mean like if I... someone's if someone sees my schlong and they're like not bad well yeah. i hope it i hope i hope you feel better I, i'm sorry that sounds really gross if if you if they see like a funny picture of me and it gets my fbi agent watching my phone a little chuckle i'm all right I yeah, you, you throw you throw some little tidbits in there just because you know he's got a long day at the office and you want him to you you know you want to give him something pleasant to look at. Yeah. Yeah. So like we're all stuck at home. We're all looking into our webcams. So everyone out there, remember, you're all stuck at home. Go look into your webcams and just remember, there's someone always watching after you, and just they're always working <laughs> tirelessly FBI watching you. Angel. And just make sure to show them love. Just give them a wink. Give them give them a little. Uh, air air fist bump, write him a letter, mm-hmm. give him a show, let them remember that it's all worth it. Do a little dance, you know, make a little love, <laughs> get, get down, down tonight. Uh, so all you all you can <laughs> all you cam girls out there get to work, get to work. Um, I think the thing for me with the like the tracking and everything like that, regardless of the purpose that they have behind it, which I'm pretty sure isn't good. Regardless of that, it's there's so much fodder for a blackmail. That oh yeah. When people say like you know, oh you should only worry if you're doing something wrong. It's like okay, well sure, but at what point does the definition of something wrong change in their favor, and what can they use against me from now to make it so? So like the way I see it is like you know, let's say I've got a, a local policeman, and his entire job is to draw his weapon and just point it at me, right? And he says. Well, you don't have to worry about this. I mean, I'm only going to arrest you if you do something wrong. But I'm going to follow you around just waiting for you to do something wrong. But if you don't do anything wrong, no big deal. You know, you won't get arrested. But he's got the gun on me the whole time, right? So at any point, he's ready to arrest me. That's the way right. I feel like this this surveillance is. It's like, you know, hey, if you don't do anything wrong, no big deal. But I would still rather not have a gun pointed at me. Right. And it all kind of... And at that point, like, technology is one thing. And if you have a guy with a gun pointed at you, I get it. But, like, it's... a it's up to them to kind of in their eyes, they're judging like your definition of wrong might not be the same as his. Like, Oh, you, I don't know. Jaywalked. Well, that could be enough for him to pull the trigger. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. And I think, I think that this is, this goes deeper. This goes much deeper, but I think that oh, yeah. <laughs> the surveillance has gone on for a lot longer than we know about. Oh and yeah. I think that that is how people are people who become elected officials are pushed into certain positions because people have information on them that, while not technically illegal, would be enough to ruin their political career if it got out. Which right. is why I think Donald Trump is not afraid because he's already done more than enough to ruin his political career and does not give a damn. You've got a point there. <laughs> like he's done. I mean, like he's done a lot of bad things in his life, and I think he just. You're right. He just does not care but the thing is uh, i don't want to get too i don't want to get more political than that but he he doesn't give a shit about anything and i mean the only compliment i'll have 
I'm sorry. I gave away how I feel, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I wish I had his confidence. I, I, I would love I to wish have that I, kind of confidence. Not that kind of re- relentless confidence where literally I hurt others, but like I wish I was able to not care to some degree. I wish I was able I, to wear hair like that and not to wear hair. Well, I mean, he look at his hair. He doesn't grow hair. He wears hair. That is yes. <laughs> anyway, let me finish. This is my this is my hair from Gucci Gucci hair. <laughs> Gucci. Uh, but let me let me finish. Um, oh yeah, sorry. What? So I, I did I did go back to my previous research, and I can't believe I forgot this. But Ross Perot believes that the reason they're covering up the hundreds of U.S. servicemen that were left behind in Southeast Asia is because there's a secret war in Laos. And there's a drug smuggling operation that was used to finance that war. And that was the basis for Richard Nixon going to war with Vietnam in the first place. It all came down to drug smuggling and money. And so where, where we land on this is, let me, let me just say this one more thing about Ross Perot. I'm looking at, um, and I'm going to post a link to this as well, I'll post a link to the photos, uh, the aerial photos, so you can see that's the real deal. Um, and then this is a 1992 uh, New York Times piece about it. Because in 92, everybody was talking about it. Um, And he said that in July of 1992, Ross Perot said in a public testimony um, that he had met several times with the communist Pathet Lao, who I guess was the leader of Vietnam, and uh, or or an official of Pathet Lao. I don't know what Pathet Lao is, I'll be honest. Um, But that official. Pathetic. A little bit. Uh, That that (laughs) official acknowledged that they were holding prisoners. And this is, he said this in 1992. I'm assuming he learned that sometime during the late 80s. The thing is, there may still be people in Vietnam alive today after the war. So they've been there for, how many years is that? 47 years. They may still be there. And nobody's doing a dang thing about it because the government doesn't want us to know. Jeez. At that point, you'd think there'd be like Stockholm Syndrome well, I mean, I guess they're not like in the society; they're still in prison. Yeah. So. Well, either they're prisoners of war still, or maybe they've just kind of joined society. Maybe they're living in the jungle this whole time. I don't even know, man. Nobody knows. All I know I is bet that sorry, there are like no, it's okay, but like there's there's you're probably right. There's probably like jungle, like the jungle warriors. Maybe it's like a legend. Like, are there jungle warriors? Like, you have heard of jungle warriors? Like, <laughs> right. It's like there was a Japanese soldier during World War II that. I think it was like seven years after um, the war was over. He was still, he was on like island, an island somewhere stationed like in the Pacific, um, ready to attack. He was like, he was in position. It was him and a, and a couple other people uh, in his platoon. And like seven years after the war was over, he still didn't think it was over. He was out there for seven years after like 1945. Um, because he was forgotten. And well, he, I, he was, he was, they told him, like they, we oh. told him. <laughs> We we would drop. We knew where they were, and we dropped pamphlets like from the sky uh, that said the war is over, return to your homes. And they thought it was just uh, they thought it was ally propaganda, and so they stayed out there for seven oh years, just living in the jungle, waiting for further instructions on what <laughs> to do. You can't fool me, sky paper. I, right? Like that's commitment right there. Like that was like, but it's like that. There were jungle. There were jungle warriors uh, after World War II. There were probably jungle warriors after Vietnam. And the, I, I just, all I, the worst thing is, the thing that's most depressing to me is that all these people never saw their families again. And there are people from those families that are still counting on them being out there and hoping that one day they'll come home. And they probably never will because nobody's out there looking for them. Jeez. 
Yeah. Someone needs to get on a documentary about this. I actually, I got the idea for this on, uh, there was a show that I came across that it was like on, on the science channel or something like that. Um, but it was just a small little tidbit about this. It was about the two photos I'm going to link to, and they didn't really get into anything else other than that. They just ended. And I'm like, why is nobody, why is nobody else talking about this? Why do we just end it there? You know, like there's more we can say. So if anyone has any information on the missing POWs in Vietnam, send it to us at Podcast on Twitter. Um, you can email us at uh, Nick. Uh, yes, email us at Nick. I don't know. At Nick. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know <laughs> no, it's, um, it's the Pod. The Zeitgeist Pod at gmail.com. That's right. The Zeitgeist Pod. And that's Zeitgeist, Z-E-I-T-G-U-Y-S. Zeitgeist, not Zeitgeist. Um, but thanks for listening. We always appreciate it. Like I said, it was kind of a downer. Hopefully, Nick will give us something more fun next week. And then two weeks from oh, yeah. now, I want you to mark your calendars because I've got the biggest theory. That I, like I've done more research for this than I've ever done for probably anything. And I'm going to blow the whole thing wide open. It's going to be great. So be prepared. Okay. Two podcasts from this one. We're going to blow everybody's freaking minds. Okay. Without spoiling anything, because I don't want to be spoiled. Drop a hint. Drop give, a me hint? A hint. give me a hint, because I'm so curious. I want to... All right. Just Here, don't, but don't spoil it. I won't Just spoil it. Here's, here's my hint. When, the, when you hear this podcast, they're going to be all eyes on me. That's my hint. Okay, that is a good hint, a cryptic hint. Oh boy, I'm so excited. And okay, to to not give it, I'll give it a little more away. All eyes, okay. but eyes is spelled with a Z. Okay, yeah, no, don't give me no more. Okay. I'm so I am very. You might excited. you might figure it out with that one, but tune I, back in and I'll tell hmm. you all about it. Okay. All right. Well, good goodbye, world. Good, good goodbye, cruel world. I guess now uh, we're going on a mission to Vietnam. Yep. Yes, we are. Pack yeah. your bags because flights are cheap. Flight, flights are so cheap right now. Everybody go to Vietnam. Just just comb out the jungle. We'll find them. You know? that, <laughs> that's all we needed to do. We don't need the government to do this for us. Let's all go. Yep. Party out of uh, Vietnam. I'll be like, I'll, I'm saying that now. I'm probably, I'm probably not going to go. I'm like that guy that like, you know, convinces everyone he, that we should all jump into the pool together. And then I hang back and watch them jump into the pool. That guy's a jerk. <laughs> it's like haha y'all are wet okay i'm, I'm pushing except the it's except it's like haha you guys are all in vietnam <laughs> yeah okay see you guys next week bye